Hashtag SAFM Talking Point. We continue the conversation on the talking point and our final conversation for uh, today is looking at some of what really is the aftermath of uh, agreements, promises for collaboration post the BRIC summit that we held in uh, Johannesburg. And in fact, just in the last couple of days, the Health Department, the Africa Center for Disease Control and Prevention and the Africa Health Business um, and the South African chapter of the BRICS Business Council have been holding dialogues, particularly on collaboration in dealing with future pandemics. And uh, much of those discussions are focusing on what they say is a potential African Union and BRICS framework for cooperation in regard to pandemic preparedness, prevention, response and recovery. Uh, Dr. Stavros Nikolaou is the head of the BRICS Business Council. He joins me in studio this morning. Uh, Stavros, good morning. Thank you so much for making time for us. Good morning and thanks very much for having me. I suppose there's been, you know, a a week or two to come out of the high of the hive of activity that was in the central district of um, Johannesburg, particularly the business district, I should say, of hosting the BRICS Summit. And it's now really time to get into some of these agreements that were signed and ask questions like, what did we actually achieve coming out of it? Firstly, uh, you're quite right. There, there was a degree of exuberance, I think, um, mm. probably justifiably because um, many predicted that we would not pull off an event as, as, as large and as complex as hosting between 40 to 50 heads of state or their representatives. So it's, it's immensely complex. Um, just the security detail alone is mind-boggling. So I I think kudos to the country for pulling that off. Um, And not only did we pull it off, I think it was seamlessly pulled off. There were no major incidents. Um, So from a confidence-building measure, I think we could probably tick that box. Mm. But now, as you correctly point out, what does this all mean? You know, what does it mean to the average person in the street? Um, So a couple of things happened. I think the first is um, the... There, there is an expansion uh, set to happen with six additional countries joining BRICS. So it'll be a formation of 11 countries from uh, the 1st of January 2024. The, this expansion, what does it mean in practical terms? It means that BRICS now covers 48% of the world's population, around 37% of global GDP, and... Uh, around uh, 35% of global trade. So these are all significant numbers, um, and we've got to make these numbers work for our country. Now, the, the thing that the BRICS Business Council was, was highly occupied and seized with was understanding the trade patterns as they exist at the moment. Mm. So we find that with the present four BRIC countries, South Africa runs a trade deficit, Uh, The largest, as you would expect, is with China. Of course, China being the size economy that it is, the second largest in the world. Um, And the lowest deficit being with Russia and Brazil. So either way, these are deficits. And, you know, no problem having deficits, but uh, you need to analyze what causes those deficits and how do you narrow those deficits. And a very clear pattern that's emerged is that we tend to export a lot of minerals and raw materials 
and then import value-added finished products back into the country. So there is a call for greater export of finished products from South Africa. We, we do have some industrial base to speak of in the country, and we need to give momentum to that industrialization endeavor, and that is usually best achieved through, through exports. Mm. Now, lastly, um, in, in the midst of trying to identify what are the products that you can export, um, we have to complement that with inward buying missions. So what was a very positive signal was um, a couple of days before the BRICS summit, in fact, about five days before, there was an inward-bound uh, buying mission from China and 40 billion rands worth of exported products were agreed to, um, and that would mean our South African companies, um, both manufacturing and agricultural companies or agribusinesses, will be able to export around 40 billion rand worth of South African products to China. Mm -hmm. So these are the things we need to do to make BRICS work for us. But certainly some very positive signals around pulling off a world-class event, around the expansion, what that means. I think around South Africa's very deft diplomacy at the time. Um, and lastly, you know, the trade patterns are critical for people in the street. Just just talking about this issue of the trade patterns, and I'm, I'm going to interlink it with um, the the collaboration around, you know, the state of preparedness for, for future pandemics and how there can be greater collaboration. So we have the example of COVID-19 to go back to and what happened under that period. Have you been able to identify why it is that despite the existence of this group, uh, being the BRICS group of countries, um, where you have India, where you have China, that of course also did significant work in terms of vaccinating their own populations, developing their own vaccines, etc. There doesn't seem to have been a lot of support and information sharing within the group itself. And that of course also translates itself into the trade patterns that you're talking about. Why is that? If everybody is under here, is sort of under this umbrella with a vision, as many of the leaders were saying in the summit um, two weeks ago, of shared prosperity. You know, it's one thing to talk about shared pro prosperity, but it's another to actually have that realized in how you do things on a day-to-day. I think uh, COVID was a rather unique set of circumstances and not, not for a moment am I justifying what happened because there, there was significant outrage at what happened, happened, particularly at the levels of, of health inequality and inequity that came to the fore. So it, it wasn't only um, BRIC countries that closed borders. Um, we saw this with the West we saw this with just about every country around the world. Those that had secured or acquired vaccines um, were not sharing them for love or money. Now, this thing of solidarity that everyone spoke about in, in January and February 2020, remember we had our first case of COVID on the 6th of March uh, 2020 here in South Africa. So prior to that, everyone spoke about solidarity. But when it came to the crunch, Everyone looked after themselves first. Mm. They all became insularized. 
in, in the case of China, their vaccines were found um, to not be registrable at that point in time in South Africa, the same with the Russian vaccine. But those are all sort of minor details. The big picture here is that when, and it's not an if, it's when the next pandemic presents, we have to be certain that we are self-sufficient on the continent because the world becomes insularized in the, at, at times of pandemics. And we simply cannot afford to go through the vast levels of inequality that we saw where African lives and livelihoods could have been saved if we were able to acquire vaccines and other medical countermeasures, as they call them. So what is, what is required here? Mm. Very simply, Africa, led by South Africa, because we are the leader here, uh, Africa needs to develop its own manufacturing capacity and capability. There are some significant moves already in that direction. And uh, we need to follow through on this. There's a couple of major interventions um, in particular that need to be followed through on, such as we need to ensure that these capacities we put up in Africa are sustainable. Now, they can only be sustainable if the global vaccine procurement agencies, so here I'm referring to Gavi, to UNICEF, and even our own African health departments on the continent, mm. they need to start buying vaccines from African producers. So it should be vaccines manufactured in Africa for Africans by Africans. Does does that need to happen within a BRICS framework? Because this is a conversation that has been happening sort of in the height of the pandemic coming out of it. So um, is BRICS necessary? <laughs> at the table because this is something that should be happening with or without it and the reason i'm saying this is because of course right now it's been framed within the context of BRICS, and a lot of the groundwork that has begun around this conversation has sort of taken place outside of that context the BRIC countries or at least some of the BRIC countries not all of them so i keep referring to the BRIC because i'm leaving south africa out of this for the moment right um, have very advanced technologies and, and very advanced science. And it's a case of forging partnerships to conclude technology transfers so that we can receive these technologies on the African continent and use these technologies and, and the know-how to manufacture vaccines and other medical countermeasures. Now, my company, Aspen Pharmacare, is a good case in point. Because last November, we concluded a technology transfer and distribution arrangement with Serum Institute of India. Serum is the largest vaccine producer in the world. And by virtue of this agreement, we will be able to produce four what we call routine vaccines. So these are pediatric vaccines, things like a pneumococcal vaccine, hexavalent, etc. There are four of them. We would receive the technology from the Indians, Serum, and we would use that technology to produce the products here in South Africa. So that is uh, the relevance of the BRIC aspect here, is that some of these BRIC countries do have advanced technologies, mm. and we're only going to get to a position of self-sufficiency and, uh, and, and, and the removal of dependency 
if we work through partnerships, particularly partnerships that give uh, these type of technologies to African companies. But also, what I was saying earlier, I don't want to lose. We've got to ensure that these facilities are sustainable. No good putting them up, and there's no demand, or the global agencies keep buying from the north or the mm. east, and then these facilities shut down. Dr. Nicola, we can't have a conversation like this and not talk about the importance of transparency um, because it has been a big issue coming out of even a summit like BRICS. So, yes, the agreements um, that are signed, but how transparent are some are some of these agreements? What do we know? What is the South African public told about what is going into these ag agreements? And especially uh, when you bring it up in the context of what you do sometimes on your day job at, at Aspen Pharmacare, and you'd be well aware of the case that um, the healthcare initiative launched against the Department of Health around publicizing um, even the procurement frameworks for these vaccines that were procured under COVID-19. And so how do we ensure that even where there are negotiations and agreements of this nature that are taking place, that those that are represented, and we'll speak for South Africa here, not necessarily the other countries that may be part of this framework, but how do we ensure that South Africans are part of this conversation from the onset, that it's not a case of, we hear about what is happening when it is being announced and we think, oh, okay, well, that's nice. Um, who, who of us was part of the conversation? How was the public actually brought on board? Have we been told? Has there been full transparency around these issues? Look, firstly, I'm of a very clear position mm. that anything that is aimed at public good needs to be fully transparent. And, and I, I say that because when you are expending significant resources um, and you, you are, I can only describe as, as, as frenzied anxiety at the time. I think we can all turn the clock back to two and a half years ago. Um, we were all on a very high state of alert. People were anxious. They were losing loved ones. So when it comes down to those type of decisions, and the emotional and societal impact, then we need to have full transparency. So I fully support that. Secondly, um, fortunately, uh, my company, Aspen, we're not signatories to any agreement, so we, we couldn't. Uh, um, but we were given the opportunity, of course, to, to place transparency in the public domain. I think we would have done that. There's always a second signature in these agreements. You never know how the other party reacts. But I think in the case of the health department, they were caught uh, between and betwixt here. They were caught between wanting to do the right thing for the public, but also having signed up with these big multinational um, vaccine producers who did not want them to disclose the details of the agreement. But I'm, I'm quite uh, pleased that I think sanity has now prevailed. And there is going to have to be a disclosure, which sets a very good precedent and foundation for the future, I believe. And in the context of, of frameworks like this under BRICS and transparency? Look, I, th I think my experience of BRICS is certainly all the high-level decisions um, have come with a strong element of transparency. Um, there are obviously certain things you can't disclose ahead of the time. Um, a case in point would have been 
the six additional members. Now, there were anything up to, depending on whose numbers you believe, between 22 and 40 countries that wanted to join BRICS. The criteria to joining BRICS um, was heavily debated and, in fact, only agreed at the 11th hour. So in terms of how did the, BRIC, sorry, the BRICS countries arrive at these six additional members, this was something, an arrangement that was ham hammered out um, on the first night of the summit for announcement the next afternoon. So there are things I think that you can do and things that you can't do because they are required to have significant diplomatic effort up to the last minute. They call it brinkmanship, right? They call it diplomatic brinkmanship. So I think in terms of these new six members, it, it was clearly a case of last-minute brinkmanship, and they arrived at the six, number, six members and announced shortly thereafter. Dr. Stavros Nikolaou, he's the head of the BRICS Business Council. That's where we're going to have to leave it for this morning. We're completely out of time. Up next is the book reading, The Talking Point, back with you again tomorrow. Update at noon follows at the top of the hour.